Hello, everybody. This is Jesse. This is a special episode of Mental Radio with my friends, Sean Dunn and Cass Greener, Very Ape. They've made some documentaries like uh, Oxiana, American Juggalo, Florida Man, some of the best, absolute best documentaries on the internet. You need to check them out, veryape.tv. You can check them out. Uh, really criterion-level documentaries that you might have seen, but if you haven't seen, they're all free. They're all online. They're all on the website. It's a really generous gift that they have that we can all use right now, especially as uh, we don't know where our next paycheck is coming from, and, and we need uh, a little entertainment in our homes. You might have noticed there's a few less podcasts coming out on the mental radio stream. And just want to let you know, there's we're doing a lot of live streams now on Periscope. You can find me at Zookman on Periscope. Also on Twitter. I'm going to include Twitch and as many as I can uh, in the next couple of weeks. But as I figure out what we want to be doing with mental health media during coronavirus time, I just really need to be connected with you. I need to be connected with people. I need to be connected with my mental health comrades who are going through this. And the best way I know how to do that right now for my house is with a live stream. So subscribe to my feed on Periscope so you get alerts when we go live. Right now we're doing it every Wednesday at 5 p.m. I'm going to figure out a schedule, a regular schedule. We're going to do it like three days a week. Probably, it's not going to be Friday because it's Shabbat, but it will probably be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the early evening. And like this conversation, it's going to be a little bit more open than just mental health. Right now, for me, I don't need more mental health rules, although guides are good. Suggestions are good. Um, hearing what other people is great, right? But I want to open it up, open the conversation up to some friends who, I don't know, I just want the tone to lighten up a little bit and be a little less rigid. And every, people I'm going to be talking to on the stream are not necessarily, you know, they're not Zen monks. Although we will be doing meditation lessons. We'll be doing conversations about exercise at home. We're going to talk about eating under quarantine. All of that is coming. But for me, the most important mental health thing, more important than eating, more important than meditating, more important than any of it, is really connecting with people. And some of the people that I connect with who I really love, they're not all mental health people. So at this time, I want to expand and just give a little bit of levity. Because I think the most important thing, the most holistic the most holistic thing we can do for our mental health right now is to connect with people, connect with new people, make new friends, and we can do all of that. And I'm really excited about that. And some of those people might be artists. Some of those people might be activists. Some of those people might be, be I don't know, just different types of thinkers. And 
it, there, we will have a mental health basis. It's going to all be, you know, we're all going to bring it back to mental health, but it just might not be hitting, every conversation might not be hitting your head, hitting you over the head with the mental health hammer. That's all. That's all I want to do. Because I, I just, I just need to connect and I want to expand that connection. And that's, that's just one way I know how to, to do it. It's just to expand it to more, more people with different types of backgrounds. So with that said, um, there's been a lot going on over here. I, I lost my grandfather last week. He is, was 93 years old. He was uh, a liberator of the Dachau camp. Um, he was, he was a lot of things. He was a complicated guy. He wasn't always the nicest person to my father, um, to say the least. He... He was, yeah, he was a complicated guy. I'll leave it at that. Um, but I have a lot of good memories of him. And to lose a family member, you know, who was the patriarch of your family uh, on the same week that this is all going down. And then like a lot of other people, I live, you know, really just a few feet from my parents. And they are 75 and they my my mother and my stepfather they have severe severe illnesses that you know that that you know we don't know how long how long their prognosis give them for these serious illnesses and we are literally 3 blocks 3 new york city blocks here in kirkland washington from the ground zero of where coronavirus touched down so there's a lot going on it's been a heavy couple of weeks and I like like so many people who are listening to this, I'm entering the coronavirus time not from a place of all I have to think about is my mental health and my isolation. It's like, no, like I gotta take care of my parents. I've got to mourn a death in the family. I've got also, like like so many other people, have to figure out how I'm going to eat with a disability. So I didn't want to just jump into another mental health conversation right now. I just, I wanted to give you at home a sense of where I'm at and what's going on in life and give you a chance to listen in to what I'm thinking about on a personal level, a political level, and just a bigger, just from a bigger place, just so I can orient myself. I orient myself by thinking about things, thinking about the world, thinking about what this all means. And I, I just need, I need to get there before I can do all of the other things. And so I wanted to share that with you. And I wanted to share this podcast with you. And I wanted to share with you my friends, Sean Dunn and Cass Greener, who make um, amazing films. They are some of the best filmmakers in the world, bar none. And just give you a glimpse onto a different side of me, maybe a different type of conversation. So with that said, I really appreciate you downloading this episode. And if you do like the project and you want to keep it going throughout the COVID-19 crisis, please support us at mentalhealthmedia.org. You can also buy a t-shirt, you can buy stickers, you can make a tax-deductible contribution. 
and that will really make the difference. You know, we, we do not have a lot of funding left. We were just about to do a new fundraising push um, for our projects and on holistic mental health and, and for a film, but that's just not even possible now. So if you like this and you want more, please donate what you can and we can keep it going. If not, there will just be less um, and I'll be okay. But if you like it, let us know. Buy some stuff, buy some shirts, buy some stickers. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. And let me know how you're doing. Send me a DM. I can't promise I can have a conversation with everybody depending on the day, but a lot of times I can. So just let me know how you're doing. Send me a DM. Take care of yourselves. Support each other. Take care of yourself first. And I'll talk to you soon. Zygazen. The Nine of Cups. And we are live, my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just check it on the Twitter machine. Yeah. Oh, there oh, we there are. It is. Cool. I'm retweeting, and then I'm going to go on Variape and retweet that shit. Yeah, buddy. That's where we have some followers. I love that we're we're always hemorrhaging followers from uh, from the Variape Twitter ever since you haven't been running it. Yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> I think it's just because I just do bursts of like very radical politics and nothing else. So, well, that's how we built that account. So, yeah, that's true. We could we could talk about that. <laughs> All of the black magic of social media. Mm. How are you holding up, man? Uh, I feel like just now I have figured out what I'm supposed to be doing and what my day is going to start looking like, and. Uh, you know, what this new world, it's like we were just shot into this whole other universe, DMT strip trip style. Yeah. Boom. We're in another place, another universe. How are you holding up? Um, we're different, actually. I think I'm holding up in a different way than Cass. Like Cass is holding it down for like knowing all the information and the warnings and the things to do and like really has become Dr. Cass in our world. And I'm holding it down in cluelessness, kind of, and like a little bit like keeping my head in the clouds and being a little distracted and kind of seeing this for what it is. It's like, this is the psychedelic socialist future. I think it'll dawn on people when they've been home for a while. Like, this is the, this is the psychedelic socialist future we deserve, but without a pandemic forcing us to stay away from each other. So I'm letting this further radicalize me, if that's even possible. <laughs> and uh, I think it's good. I'm trying to speak to it so more people can kind of wake up. And what what I always say is anything like this, uh, even if it's something personal, any tremendous event like this, they can be used as vehicles for awakening or they can be used as an excuse to fall further into victimhood, which is powerlessness. And the people have the power. And this 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 time is for us to flex it and show that, take the power back a little bit. So... That's how's that going? For, how's that going for you, Cass? That sounds maybe a little stressful for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I was, I mean, I was like literally a month ago being like, Sean, we need to get a lot of stuff at Costco right now, <laughs> and him being like, dude, like you're stressing me out. Like this is, we can't have every day be about coronavirus. Like we need to live our life, and I'm like, yeah, but I see the wave that's coming, you know. 
So I think I was a little bit on a crest of a wave out here and it was just a little like, you don't want to pull other people into the darkness, but you, if you see something, you want to say something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The wave is still forming. Like this isn't even the crest of the wave. The wave is still forming. You were just ahead of it. You were reading the currents really correctly. And then all of a sudden there was, I don't know when it was a few days ago, that DMT day, like you're saying, like where it was just like, oh, this is, everything's different now. Everything's fucking different. It feels different. Yeah. I don't, I mean this, yeah, go ahead. I don't want to be scared of people in the streets and that's kind of like the air that it feels like right now. Part, I mean, in in Greenpoint in Brooklyn, that's where we're at. I mean, this weekend, everyone was, and Friday, people were at the bars, at the parks, children on the playgrounds, you know, it's almost like willfully ignorant to what's going on. And it's, it's kind of concerning that I think people are, are headed for a rude awakening and it's happening in different paces for everyone. Like I hit mine. I've been like relatively calm compared to other people, I think, because I hit the awareness of what we were about to go through a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got some friends. I've got one friend. I talked to him. He's still going to work. He's just brought Lysol to work. He fixes computers for mm. a living. He's like, no, I'm ready. I'm, I'm taking care of it. I'm taking care of my family. I got Lysol. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Oh, dude, yeah. A good a good girlfriend hit me up last night being like, Hey, I'm I'm right next door, I'm at this restaurant and I'm like FaceTimed her, I'm like, What are you doing out? And she's like, shows me a bottle of Purell. I'm like, dude <laughs> Yeah, and and then like to put us in the position where we have to tell people they can't come over, like that breaks our fucking hearts. Like But yeah. I think yeah. it's honestly right now it feels like what we can do by holding that line that's like kind of annoying to hold, like, hey, we're social isolating or doing the social distancing thing. I think it wakes up your friends to oh these are people who like to be chill they like to have a good time if they're mm-hmm. shutting down maybe i mean that's a it's how you can we spread awareness exam- yeah exactly if we're influential at all like we should be a, a good example during these times like stock up on weed drugs whatever the fuck you need you know food <laughs> lysol whatever and just hang out at home you know <laughs> i think i think uh yeah i have the exact opposite effect uh, people are used to me freaking out so they're like oh yeah jesse's freaking out about another thing i guess this isn't real right Uh, (laughs) but uh (laughs) i like how you guys are laughing at that um but uh but no i mean people who are like have like a hyper vigilance yeah you know what we don't always get the right things to freak out about but uh we when there is something to freak out about uh we notice it (laughs) Mm. well you're kind of in the heart of it can you explain your situation out there in kirkland so i'm in kirkland washington um where it was announced two weeks ago now that we had the first outbreak of coronavirus in the united states the in a uh old folks um care center uh, senior care center and um yeah i went down there as soon as i heard just to drive by and there was no cops around no ambulances around no no one locking it down no one no one really doing anything like you would expect and i knew there was a problem then and not to say it was the only transmission point but it was a big one and they slept for a while so I was freaking out. As soon as I saw that, I saw the headline. I had been following Corona for a little while. All of a sudden, they said, okay, it's in Kirkland. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, where is this? Let me look on the map. Oh, that's like literally like three New York City blocks away from my house. Okay, let me go see. Maybe they have this under control. Oh, yeah, there's still people visiting this, Mm. you know, nursing home. um, And there is an outbreak of coronavirus 
and I had been following it on what was happening in China, and no one was really paying attention for, I don't know, a week, 10 days. Mm. So, yeah, I, I had I had one day of uh, panic, and then kind of like, I've had like 10 days of confusion, mm. and now uh, I'm finally kind of settling into it. My, I, I live close to my parents, so I'm, I think they're finally getting it, that they cannot go out. They're vo- both very, very high risk with... Uh, uh, serious, serious, you know, diseases. Um, and, uh, now they're finally, okay, I can't go to the beer run. I can't go do this. Finally, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get them to do less and less. They're still doing too much, but, um, you know, it takes a lot of weight off of me, the less, you know, the more they realize that they need to chill out. Um, what do you think is going on, especially with like the, like, no one protecting that nursing home is this like conscious denialism or are we like dumb or are we too distracted to do anything or like what the fuck is going on um that creeped me out when i saw that post of you in front of that place and you were like this is the epicenter of the coronavirus in this country and like it looked like an average day that really fucking freaked me out man it freaked me out and and then i posted that and i got a whole bunch of so i made a post I was a little bit probably inflammatory in my post. I was saying the Pacific Northwest is like a developing country sometimes. And a lot of people from Seattle got very offended. But, you know, the things that we expect in New York City, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco are not like that everywhere. And even though Seattle has, has become a tech hub and I'm right next to Microsoft, I'm right next to Google, this is still a place when it snows, it takes a week to get your car out because no one comes, there's no plow. Mm. There's one plow for the whole town. Um, you know, there's, uh, for shoplifting, you can shoplift, no cops come. Mm, that's you beautiful. Know, which, well, yeah, you could say that's great, <laughs> but at the, but it just gives you an idea of like, the infrastructure is not, here is not what it is everywhere else, what you might expect as a person, you know, being in uh, in New York, growing up in New York. Um, you know, as it might be in, in upstate, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, you know, in the Catskills and Corona, well, I mean, you would, they would probably get around. It's just, Seattle's a little dark yeah. spot yeah. in a lot of ways. And then even as the news started coming out, it still wasn't getting to the East coast and people still weren't getting, okay, you need to get on lockdown. You need to like prepare for this wave. It was not. And that, I mean, that's why the Seattle scene was right because yeah. the media paid no attention to Seattle bands. Yeah. The you know the 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 media doesn't really shine a light on Seattle. There's no you know our uh, news organizations are not in the same networks as L.A., New York, San Francisco, Chicago. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's not consi- it's it's a dark place and it's far away. You know, mm. the next uh, we have Portland three hours away. That's not a major town. The next one is San Francisco. But but a lot of people died at this nursing home. Like what was it like? Yeah, twelve people. More, yeah, at least double that now. I'm pretty sure. And like all of our cases have been linked to that nursing home. So that you know. And you were saying firefighters who went into that nursing home. Yeah, like half of them got sick. Like half of our firefighters are in quarantine, which is a big deal. And it's something that I knew off the. It's what it's a thing that people know locally here, is that if you have an infected place like that, people can walk in and get sick. Mm. right you know we're talking social distancing people think if as long as i'm six feet away as long as uh, i don't touch anybody 
but there is a thing where if there's a lot of sick people in a space and people go in that space, they get sick. I don't know what it is. Uh, there was that interview on Rogan with the pandemic guy who talked a little bit about that. Like the more sick people are in a space, you know, it can make it just way more of a, infectious. So as soon as I, I, I heard that, I was like, well, the subway, that's not good. No. No, and that's why, yeah. I mean, we're not going up to our parents or anything because we're like, yo, we've been in the city for I don't know how long with whoever hanging out or us traveling wherever. It's I mean, we don't know that we don't have it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you kind of just, part of this distancing at this time is just protecting people from yourself. And, and that's where it's a little frustrating that we're so behind on testing because it'd be really nice to know whether or not people had corona and it was safe to go be with their family or right I, that's where i think the conscious denialism comes in because we could easily provide tests for everyone that needed it but we don't want to show those numbers because we're terrified that the economy might crash and yeah too late this is, yeah <laughs> too, too late and this is where we just need to reprioritize and say look look we're all here what do we want to make society about do we want to put profits and algorithms over humanity over people over our well-being and there's a there's a lot of people who i call them class traders who will gladly fight the rich man's war in facebook posts on twitter whatever going on and on about how the markets will correct themselves and you know the the, you know the the private sector is going to come through and save our asses and it's just none of it's true none of it's true and if if nature has ever sent us a well-timed message that Bernie's policies are not only necessary, but they're moderate compared to what we need to do. This is it, you know? So, to, uh, like, I'm looking at this as as uh, the the reason to, to wake up and to change things for the better permanently. And uh, I, don't, you know, I don't think you're going to have to make that, that argument with words. I think the world is about to change so drastically, and people are going to experience suffering that they don't they have never seen mm-hmm. in a first world country you know like there's a lot of people who have never been touched by real grief or real tragedy like maybe personally but not like no one's felt like what it like it felt like like that feeling after 9 11 mm-hmm. you know a lot of the world feel like lives with that now everyone's about to get touched by yeah that. there's about to be a 9 11 like a bigger than 9 11 in everybody's town well, across well, the united states because you know? 9-11 only physically impacted what like three cities and yeah you know and and even like hurricane katrina or the the tsunami um years ago like these are events that really helped us all come together but they really were impacting a small part of the globe and i don't know if there's a place that doesn't have this yet so if if the, like like this is it's psychedelic like you're saying mm-hmm. it, it's psychedelic which is just like it completely just changes your perception on everything all the systems we're currently living in especially here in the united states are really proving themselves obsolete and really showing them showing themselves for what they have been about this whole fucking time which is serving the elite class and it has nothing to do with the people look who's getting bailed out right now the banks the airlines, not the people, not the people like ourselves who can't go off to work, who can't take a gig, who can't do anything, who are freelancers. Like we're frozen up right now. We can't, we couldn't do anything if we wanted to. Luckily we have a little bit of money stashed away, but it ain't going to last long. So why aren't we talking about bailing out the people? Like why, why people can't People are that talking be, about it. Yeah. They're talking I, about it. So Even, what are, what are, uh, Mitt Romney what we said we should give every, 
even Mitt Romney said uh, wanted to give everybody a thousand dollars today. You know, so if that's what the right wing is right now, yeah, uh, you know, that's uh, some progress real fast. <laughs> <laughs> if that's if that's the, if that's the Mitt Romney argument now is give everyone a grand, yeah, uh, you know, this is you know this is what I'm saying. It's like the arguments are going to change so drastically that I don't even think you can. I think the language we've been using for the last few years in radical politics is about to shift so much. There are going to be things that are just going to become obvious. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a new world. Who knew that progressive ideas would have exponential growth? I mean, not for good reasons, but... It, well, we'll see. We'll see. You know, they're trying to hold these primaries tomorrow. Like, yeah. are, are you fucking kidding me? And we're going to legitimize those results when people are being told to stay home. Well, it's scary because what is, I mean, Trump's going to get his dream of being like the never ending president right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the scariest time. I mean, who takes this guy seriously at this point? I mean, I know this is such an old thing to even bring up, but it's just crazy to me what's going on. I feel like whether or not people like him as a president, his complete lack of response or taking this seriously has affected our collective psyche as mm-hmm. far as how seriously we take this, whether or not we. Yeah. You know, he ha- he had a lot of opportunity. He had a lot of heads up. We had an incredible heads up from China and even Italy to make some real changes. Like I heard that we were going to close New York, uh, lock down New York City this last weekend. That didn't happen. And instead, everyone's gathering and bars and restaurants and all the whole thing's going down. Well, not anymore. No, not anymore. Took oh, really? It's kiboshed. Yeah. It's tomorrow now morning. You get takeout. That's it, baby. Oh mm-hmm. wow! Yeah, but what about those workers? And and then what about like uh, all all the kids that are going to be home from school? And what about the kids that are home from school and the only safe place in their life was school because their parents are abusive or fucked up or on drugs or something? You know? Yeah, I th- I think about that a lot. Me too. I think about I think about that a lot because um, there's uh, you know I, growing up how I grew up the family I grew up in. You know that's not a place you want to be locked down. <laughs> no, for me a lot, for for a lot, yeah, for a lot of us, it's like that, right? Yeah. So uh, I think about them. I, I, them. I have them in my thoughts. My but, sister who but, has epilepsy. You know, that's a severe yeah. autoimmune disorder. I can't go near her. So we've been FaceTiming, and she seems to keep her spirits up. You know, she's doing puzzles and and stuff, and. She calls us and it's great and everything, but like what happens when her medications start to run out because she can't miss one dose, not one. She will go into grand mal seizures if she misses one dose. And my sister Caitlin is like a small example of what many people are going through, especially with medications. Well, that's... Go for it. she, She has Medicare? Um, she has my mom's health insurance and my mom, um, is trying to retire after fucking goddamn decades of working her fucking ass off 60 hours a week to provide the health insurance to keep Caitlin alive. I know something about, we, we could talk about this afterwards, but I know this is something I know, uh, a bit about. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the bummer is like my mom's about to retire and, and be where she should be at home with Caitlin, trying to have a good life, trying to smooth things out. And, um, instead she's going to retire with her 401k completely fucking shot, you know, all, all this stuff. It's all, it's all so interconnected and we're also interconnected. 
and the the rugged individualism narrative that we're sold throughout our life is just proving itself to be fucking so obsolete right now with how reliant with which you realize how reliant you are on each other i'm realizing it even with our friends you know mm-hmm. like i would i'm going a little fucking crazy like we have one friend that we're allowing over here sweet carrie but you know i'm going a little crazy like not seeing our regular group of people and like having to communicate in different ways and it's making us creative but it's also tearing apart our soul a little bit yeah well i mean i, I was in i've been in isolation for a decade so <laughs> i i know i'm very familiar with this pain <laughs> Oh, only only when you're when you're when you're isolated with a chronic illness people don't pick up your phone calls it's like the nicest thing now that everyone's talking to each other mm. yeah i did a, a group facetime with like all my best friends from high school and there were eight of us and we're like we haven't all been in the same place in like since like a wedding five eight years ago you know what i mean so for us to just all check in with each other and go around and and the kind of the beautiful thing is that people are having this free time and seeing what life is when they're not um, having to go to work and also recognizing that, Hey, I can do some work from home and maybe it's kind of a farce that things run the way they run right now. Mm. Yeah. People and the traffic alone is going to get the technology sector to look at it differently. I mean, we'll see how productive people are and how to do it. I'm sure they'll learn a lot, but it would be amazing, especially for people with disabilities. If, you know, the, the companies would realize, Oh yeah, we people can work from home and do it well and open that up to people like me that, you know, that would be so huge for so many people mm-hmm. to be able to work from home and it'd be for the environment, for traffic, for noise. I mean, and there's a lot of takeaways that we're going to get from well, this and, experience. And, and also just like the, the, the feeling that'll dawn on us maybe weeks from now, like, oh, we're fine and we're not being as productive and maybe that's cool and maybe... Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe we're going to all wake up to, to the, the fucking sad reality that America is making us sick because of mm. that, that uh, ep- economic lens in which we see everything through. It's making us yeah. sick, all the stress, all the driving around, all the disconnection from our families and our communities that is caused by basically having to work your fucking ass off to earn health insurance to stave off the chronic illnesses that America fucking gives you. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous, and I think um, people are smart. People are smart. They're just distracted. I think that the that the reason maybe Bernie's movement hasn't taken off in the way that we thought it was going to is because people are fucking utterly distracted, and they might just throw the news on for for ten twenty minutes at night, and all they're getting from that news is Bernie's shitty, you know, Joe Biden's the man, or whatever the fuck, you know. <laughs> I think I think Bernie talks much better, not on a stage too. Yeah. When he, like that that interview with Rogan, he sounded like a normal human being, and that was the takeaway from all of these people, even Trump voters. I saw on Reddit going, "Oh, he's like a normal guy that has some good ideas. Mm. I'm gonna look into this." I don't think he's. I think he's been doing the debate thing so much that he kind of soundbites himself. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know, and, and he's kind of created a caricature of himself after so many years that I think he it kind of seems not so human and then the more he talks the more people get it um, yeah I, I think the more biden talks i don't think uh <laughs> people get lost <laughs> yeah. you see that one where he's talking about his hairy legs and the little kids classic <laughs> classic there is there isn't you could not find a trump clip that even compares to how bizarre that was oh my god 
you know and and i think i i think like part of part of i think bernie's problem with this go around is like he doesn't take the gloves off it's like just yeah. fucking say the thing man this guy's going through cognitive decline and it's not fucking safe for us to run him against the most dangerous president we've ever had it's just not a good bet say it just fucking say it the whole thing with bernie is he he came in he came into congress so long ago as an independent and the only independent and such an outsider and that feeling of being an outsider that i think he still holds in high regard these people that were good to him and joe biden was one of those people and it was probably just more personally it doesn't sound like they agree with anything policy wise but he still treats him with that level of respect not looking at it like yo i'm i'm leading a movement right now and this is as fucking dire as it's ever come and Bernie's not going to be able to fucking run for president again. Like, this is it. This is the chance to do it. Take the fucking gloves off. Repair your friendship with Joe Biden after you fucking crush him. You know what I mean? Like, that ain't that ain't anyone's fucking problem, whether you and Joe Biden remain friends after this fucking thing. I feel yeah, like if you took the gloves off on one of these debates, like, we'd be looking at a different story. But, you know, that ain't Bernie. Kids got to get out and vote, though. That's the real problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, I think I don't. I don't know. Do you do you get the vibe that people are 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 hopeless? Do you think there's going to be a curve to you know the different stages of um, kind of coming to terms with this new reality? I mean, I know we're still even figuring out what this new reality is, but yeah, what you can speak to this like mentally. What do you think we're going to be going through individually and as a society? Is this the stages of grief, or what are what are we in right now? <laughs> shock. People are in shock. Yeah. Yeah. Feel People that. don't think that, I mean, the number one, number two trend on Twitter yesterday was that Xbox Live was down. This country's great, man. <laughs> you know, this is going to be a very painful experience for a lot of people who don't know real suffering. Mm. or people who know suffering but don't know this you know that think the futures for take that take the future for granted like that's going away now so people are in shock that this is possible mm. um, and i think people know, are in shock of the realization that they're not in control like like yeah, this exactly. is a big fucking wake-up call to that like i think people with the spiritual practice kind of understand that and embrace that quality of life but think a lot of people that are just distracted in the slog of going off and doing in, in the same groove every day don't have a lot of time to question that i also think it's possible that we're gonna have like second waves of shock and awakening when it comes to like oh just because you're under the age of 40 doesn't mean you're safe and yeah, doesn't sure. mean you're not looking at permanent lung damage and doesn't mean that you're not able to get reinfected and how many times can you get reinfected with this and not have a um a problem like well, there's so much about this virus that we don't understand yet and i think people are just like oh look at the stats it's only two percent or whatever and well already it's getting higher and it, it you hate to be someone who's like betting betting in that direction i don't want to bet in that direction i want to wish for the best i want to pray that this mutates to a non-lethal non-dangerous virus of course you know but should we we should be preparing for the worst and understand that there's a lot we still don't know mm -hmm. for sure and, and then there's an issue of chronic fatigue syndrome that people get after having a new virus like this so there's going to probably i mean we saw it with sars you saw it with all of the recent 
outbreaks that have been much smaller than this where people are sick for like like i was like the, just the chronic fatigue i can't keep my head up mm. my muscles don't work anymore um you know that's a large percentage i mean relatively large whatever like five ten percent but that's still on the mass of the entire country mm. that's huge mm-hmm. we've never seen anything like that and it's not unlikely that something like that not unlikely mm. that we're gonna see that so i i guess that the big hope would be that months from now we're like god remember how precautious we were being about all that what a fucking thing oh my god we overreacted i hope that's what the fucking i, well, I if, hope and if that's, that's the happens. case that's because we overreacted that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's what i'm saying like yeah but we didn't we didn't overreact quick enough so no that would we might have been able to say that three weeks ago yeah i mean and, and to see that the uk is trying to do some herd immunity thing or and and the netherlands i believe what's that mean uh, it means basically just like let everyone get affected so that, I mean, it's, it's just kind of accepting that people are going to die off that aren't strong enough to fight this virus. And that if, what? if there's like a herd immunity, then everyone kind of just becomes, they, that. they might have a calculation based on the fact that they have more hospitals though. I don't know. Mm. Mm. You know, if they have the, the problem is the, the hospital capacity can't handle what's coming. Mm-hmm. And then those places become like the the place down the street where everyone, you know, all the doctors get sick because there's just so much virus in the air. They're literally um, just like letting people over 80. They're like, okay, well, they're, they're going to die. I mean, my mom is telling me, she's like, I'm wearing nice clothes. So hopefully if it ends up being in the situation that they try to save me. <laughs> my mother's just drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Slamming sure and she did <laughs> Better than hard liquor uh, right about now, though. Any, any you know, My mother is 75. She's smiling and happy and laughing. Mm. You know, I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Uh, she's had a good run. 75 is like, you know, you, yeah. you fucking, you made it past the average life expectancy here. And, you know. Yeah. She was a modern dancer all over the world with Alvin Nikolai in New York City. Cool. She was a, a, a flight attendant for Pan American, survived the plane crash. Wow. In, uh, I think, uh, South Pacific. Whoa. Um, you know, she's, she's an adventurer. There's no doubt where I get the gene, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's sad that she is where she is, but there's nothing changing it. That's for sure. Well, does beer, does beer serve her life? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. All I know is that I'm picking up beer for her. Yeah. Because uh, I don't want her going. I don't want her driving around and going to the grocery store. Yeah. yeah. That's all I care about. Well, think about that too. The the people that are out there that are addicted. I thought about them today when I woke up. You know, all the people that we knew um, down in Oceana, West Virginia. We made that movie, mm. Oceana. Like those people need pills, or it's gonna be a fucking nightmare. It's going to be yeah. a nightmare of of just all out crime and uh, inhumanity across the board. Like that that's a whole town that's addicted. That's a whole fucking town. And I just I just feel for anybody that um that's been criminalized and ostracized and and stigmatized. This is this is the time when uh, when they're going to suffer the most because we didn't give a fuck about them to begin with. And what about, geez, the fucking main one? What about the people that are in prison or jail? Yeah, time for people to come home. It's time for them to come home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can drop the bullshit. 
Yeah, Scott Hackinger, uh, a public uh, defense attorney in Brooklyn that we've talked with, he was posting today about how a 15-year-old, his trial date was postponed because of coronavirus, but now he's just awaiting trial in Rikers, you know? A 15-year-old, <sighs> you know, for a misdemeanor. Trauma. Trauma. Try spending a yeah, few those, hours in there, let alone a night. Yeah, and those court cases, nothing's getting heard anymore. Oh, my God. And I love that the policy is, like, leave them in jail as opposed to, like, oh, cool, this whole farce of a justice system we have is just going to be put on hold for a second now. Because this country's so hesitant to really show its cards. They really don't want to. They don't want to show that, like, yeah, we're capable of putting $1,000 in everyone's pocket every week. Or we're capable of emptying out the jails. They're going to want to, too, because, I mean... financial insecurity leads to i'm sure domestic violence and different things happening when people feel out of control i mean sean and i are used to being with each other 24 7 Mm -hmm. and self-containing and isolating ourselves and we're still like kind of having moments where we get into it i had to go sit in the car there was nowhere else for me to go today i just (laughs) needed to get out of the house and like me and Cass are getting on each other's nerves so i'm like just fucking sitting out in the car while we like cool it out a little bit and and we're practiced at this we've been spending you know the last uh, four or five years in this apartment together you know most days so but there's something extra going on and even though it might not be right in our face it's palpable it's yeah. it's palpable. You can feel it, and that that's where that's where I say like we're so interconnected. Totally, and that and that's where it's going to get a little dangerous is when people want to like export their stress or blame their stress or whatever happens. You know the natural things that we all do in moments of crisis and trauma and that sort of stuff. But I think people yeah. are pretty good in 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 times of crisis and trauma. The thing I'm worried about is what happens when some people start getting convinced that it's actually the end of the world and there's no more consequences. Like if mm. things just start falling apart on that level. How far are we from that? 90 <laughs> days, 30 days? I, well, I think that there's hope coming out of China. I mean, China built a hospital in like three days. <laughs> ten so days. 10 days. So they yeah. built a hospital and basically, but there was a video today of like all these Chinese doctors like taking off their masks. You know, they went from 15,000 patients in Wuhan to 15. So... This is treatable. This people are treating it. There are, and there are healthcare workers that are surviving. It's just, can we act and can we support our communities and the healthcare system to do that? Hopefully, we don't have to have that un- end of the world conversation. But if you yeah, guys, guys want to guess not, what happens, not, go for it. <laughs> it's not. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's just uh, a matter if it, enough people think it is. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so they start taking more risks and. You know, I just don't know. I just don't know. Are you going to take uh, any risks? <laughs> Do you, have you thought about your end of the world risks you want to take? Uh, you know, there are some conversations we have on podcasts and some we don't. <laughs> <laughs> See, we don't have that for some reason. I don't know why. We don't have that filter. We probably should. <laughs> we probably should. Yeah. But yeah, it, you, should, you, should, you should talk to uh, Josh Harper a little bit more. Oh, oh my yeah. God. One of you'll, our you'll classic get, podcasts. You'll get a, <laughs> you'll get a, a healthy sense of uh, security culture real fast. Oh man, wow. yeah, we should connect with him yeah, again. Yeah, we should. And didn't his film just come out? Yeah, it's really good. Did you see it? No. Can you t- can you mention it? Oh, it's called The Animal People. It is on Netflix right now, or at oh, least wow. it was last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about the Shack uh, Seven. Um, and they were a group of animal liberation activists that almost bankrupted 
a giant animal testing corporation uh, and just by being real pain in the ass activists um, and almost harassed a corporation into closing by going after their money and being, you know, making a ruckus with their investors with getting all of their investors to pull out the company almost folded. So after, you know, they couldn't, the, the feds could not find anything on them that they did anything illegal. So after nine 11, they had to draft a new bill called the animal enterprise terrorism act that made any, uh, act conspiring to cause any animal agricultural industry, $10,000 more or more in damages, an act of terror and, being and allowed them to be uh, able to prosecute them as such. So it basically meant if you were making, if you were planning a giant protest that would make any company go out of business in animal agriculture, you're a terrorist. Mm. So that's what they had. They had to draft an entirely new law. And but with after nine eleven, everybody you know was down with the. Uh, Everyone was down with security, security, security. Anything anti-terrorism, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, right, exactly. And so, uh, we, we also had Andy Stepanian on our podcast, who I think did seven years in federal prison with terrorists, other people that are labeled terrorists who are actually legitimately scary people. And he wasn't in there for that long, but yeah, too long. Yeah. Like, like years. He was in there for years. How, was Josh in there? Uh, they weren't long? together. Okay. They were all separated. But... Uh, but yeah, I mean the the, the 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 documentary I think shows where they admitted they made mistakes, what worked, what didn't work, and but it shows an entirely different type of activism that I grew up with that you don't see a lot where activists they have an idea of what they want to change and what they want to do and then they figure out the pressure that they can put on systems of power to get that done. Mm-hmm. It's not about looking good. It's not about with the t-shirt. It's about, okay, we want to close this company. How do we get there? Um, They're hella creative. Which is, an, <laughs> which is and very smart and understanding money. And, you know, Josh has a brilliant mind and a huge heart. And he was just able to put together tactics that there was no book on. They wrote the book on this kind of uh, activism they were ruining people. They were ruining this uh, this bank's ATMs with just credit cards with epoxy on them, and that was costing these. The, and they they did it in in like flashes, like in one night they would take down all these ATMs, and that cost this bank unheard of amounts of money and put a lot of pressure on them. Beautiful. There's so many little things, <laughs> it, it, things that even are like way less illegal than that. I mean, Black some of the faxes. things that work is just well, yeah, just sending that. facts. That, you, you, send, you send enough faxes to someone and all of a sudden they're like, okay, we won't do business with those people anymore. <laughs> um, it's costing us too much ink. I think that those kind but of it, tactics are going to apply well to uh, when we really have to demand change here. And the thing that sucks about this one is we're not going to be able to get together to do it. It's not like we're going to be able to just surround the White House and get this fucking guy out of there. You know? Mm. So we're going to yeah, have to but get we creative. Need, see, but you need that you need that regardless of who's in the white house and i think <laughs> if you have i think that having that like having like that militant level of pressure is more important than bernie or joe to be honest with you oh yeah if 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 joe is faced with well i guess the economy is going to shut down unless i really do get everybody health care because i've been neglecting that mm. 
uh, that is a better situation than Bernie trying to get everything done by himself. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we just so. like I said at the beginning, kind of showing our power, flexing our power again. When, when I talk about getting Bernie in there, I'm like, I'm not going to be like a Trump supporter is towards Bernie. If he gets in there, I'm going to fucking hold this motherfucker accountable every day. And I don't know when the last time we held a president or any fucking goddamn public official accountable. We don't do it. Nixon. 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 Yeah, after that. All, ki- all kinds of progressive policies passed under Nixon because the activists were on point and scared the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> so now what are people scared of? It's like a Twitter scandal? It doesn't even work anymore. Like you can, like, mm-hmm. you can't even, I mean, when was the last person that got canceled? Like, it's been there's been people that are doing really nasty stuff now and they're still, like, it's not even working. Mm. So. You know, there has to be something. It can't just be Twitter. It can't just be talking. It can't just be, well, if you do a bad thing, we're going to say bad things about you. People think that's activism. There's like a whole world of people that think that is making a difference in the world that we need to see. It's not. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's not changing. You got to find out what you want to change in the world and then go out and then figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's such an echo chamber. You feel like you're doing something by being on there and liking and retweeting something. You're part of the conversation, writing a little post. It it doesn't move the needle at all. And in fact, it actually impacts your mental health. I'm I'm talking about you. I don't know if it's like that for everybody, but like I know when you're spending too much time on Twitter, it it fucks with you a little bit. It probably fucks with us all. But like, it's very you you realize it. Well, you get all riled up. You try to make a difference, and then you realize you make no difference, and it's incredibly depressing. Yeah, Super Tuesday really took it out of us. You can still make, I mean, you, you can make a difference. I just don't know about if you can make a political difference that changes too much. Mm. Yeah. But you can you can support people. You can support people doing good work mm. on Twitter and really make a difference in their lives. I get told all the time that I save people's lives that are doing good work. You know, oh, you definitely from, are. I don't know anyone else thanks, like you brother. on Twitter. You know, it's like just, thanks, just people, just constant like engagement just really engage with mental health, what people could be going through and like woke as they come, like you fucking totally shift my perception on things and expand my consciousness just from your fucking tweets. So, I mean, it's effective. No, I mean, it's not, it's not activism. It's this other form of just like having each other's back and like, yeah, much needed. Yeah. That's why you're our friend. Thank you, brother. It means a lot <laughs> coming from you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's necessary. You know, there's a, a big workaholism thing in activism, and that that's not good for long-term working. You know, mm. whether it's activism or any making documentaries or reporting, mm. you got to take care of each other. You got to take care of yourself. You got to have empathy for people. You got to let people off the hook sometimes. <sighs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgive yourself. You got to nurture people. Yeah, that's the biggest one. That's where it starts. And just yeah, just and create an atmosphere where people can make mistakes and clean it up and i don't know you just gotta just gotta be good to people have a space to be good for people and when i was in when i was an activist it was not like that at all it was just all well not the people had each other's backs maybe even more than it feels like today but there was such a workaholism thing like people wouldn't judge each other for saying the wrong thing or having the wrong perception although you know there were intense conversations that happened around a lot of different issues but people would shame each other for not working hard enough Mm. Mm. you know and that was that's not good either so 
We need all of these things for people doing all kinds of work, whether that's doing, you know, documentary work that represents people and tells stories and opens people's minds. I, I mean, I know that you went through severely stressful, chronic stress, trauma situations doing the work that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, almost hasn't even been dealt with, I don't think, in a real way. You know, like the, make mm -hmm. going out and going into like f fringe communities and hearing voices that are like blowing your fucking mind the amount of suffering that's going on there and then trying to amplify those voices and being a voice for the voiceless like you're taking on all this stuff but in the moment it feels really good it feels really good and then when, when that, that that film is out there that transmission is just out to the people this wave of like whoa like really hits you what you just went through and yeah it it, it fucks with us but i don't think like like especially with these situations i always think of the saying like the pain is inherent but the suffering isn't like mm -hmm. it, like it it's painful it's going to be painful to spend time around people that you love that are shooting up it's it, it's it's painful but there's an acceptance and an understanding and self-love and compassion that can come from spending time in those situations that can help prevent the pain from always turning into long-term suffering so i think that's like the practice for us it, to I mean, and sometimes we've made films where it's like it, it's wiped us out to the to the point where it's like we can't even fucking approach that medium for a while, you know, mm -hmm. like, like where we're like, let's just hang out and do some podcasts. Let's like let's make some radio shows. Let's do some live streams. Let's let's make our art about some other things, not just um, these really, really intense looks at America's flaws. Yeah, it, it fucks with you. <laughs> And is that like a lot that you can control your surroundings? Because when you're doing a podcast, you're in your house. Yeah. When you're making Oxiana, you are not in your house. I, I, you know, I feel like that doesn't affect me as much. If, for me, it's always the, the, the resources. Like uh, Oxiana costs $200,000 to make. And like a lot of that was money that we earned um, making commercials. And we come mm -hmm. out of it and we're like financially fucking just in dire straits. And these films don't make money and we kind of won't allow them to because I think they're more important to be seen than to have some paywall on it. And somehow we do get our money back to our investors, but that's usually that. Really? Usually, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's we paid huge. back our, our investors for all of our movies. Everyone's got really, back. yeah. Yeah. And we don't even do film festivals or anything. So I don't even know. It's kind of a miracle to me. It kind of stresses <laughs> me out to even think about how that's gone down, but people gave us a lot of money, especially for cam girls. And, um, that movie had no mainstream, like there was no mainstream interest, nor were we interested in it being mainstream. And then, uh, basically you put it on, on Reddit for us one day and in one day, oh, yeah. 250,000 hits, you know, that would never happen at a film festival or, or anything like that. So we got the, we got that message out there. And I think that film cracks people's consciousness about what sex workers are and what they're up to and what their motivations are and just slowing down and listening to people. I don't know. I think it's a, it's kind of a gift that Cass and I have and we want to share that with people, but it doesn't always need to be through the most expensive medium. <laughs> this medium's fucking cheap as hell. So we love it. What do you think Cass? What, what's your experience with being in these other worlds of like high stress and chaos and pain that you put yourself into with, uh, it's, uh... with your films? Uh, there's a crisper, it's a crisper version of reality. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, uh, 
uh, you kind of just like tap in, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so there's something very pure about those moments where you're with people who are not, wor- they're worried about their next pill. They're worried about their next meal. They're worried about other things. Like there's a way that people see you and that you get seen by people that has been very impactful in my life, but mostly in a positive way. Than in a than in a negative way. I think what it shows us is like you know we convince ourselves that life is about all these other things and and the movies about all these other things and it's like okay we'll go capture that and then we do all these other things but what I think the people show us with their generosity and being honest with us is like no there's only this moment just be present work on your presence mm-hmm. the more you're when, when you're present like it's just it, like you're saying, there's something more crisp and real about it. And you realize like, oh, this is what life is. No matter what the circumstances are, who I'm surrounded by, I can feel warm. I can feel love. I can feel in abundance, even if it's scary, you know, by honing your presence and not being so in the post while it's happening or worrying about the camera or how much you paid for this or where's the next meal or anything like that. Just really being with somebody, holding space. It's a- to some people listening, that's going to sound like hippy dippy bullshit. Yeah. But the proof is in the fucking pudding, man. Yeah, hopefully. You know, because you take, you find an amazing cinematographer to shoot your films, and then you do that, mm. and that's something that, yeah, nobody does it like you as well as you. And I'm not like I'm not blowing smoke. I'm zero percent blowing smoke. Mm. Appreciate that. Nobody, Warner Herzog doesn't do it. Errol Morris maybe is like the most similar, right? Like, yeah. Kind of close but you're not you're not him you're not like an old dude with that quirky thing yeah yeah totally <laughs> you you give more space to people and like i would say i don't know i mean you have your own lens it's just a different it's just a different lens yeah totally and like i think you know, for us it's like every project like errol morris like all his things kind of like feel like oh it's like oh there's errol morris doing the interatron thing and like it's fucking rad i love it like some of them i don't care that much about but for the mm-hmm. most part like he's somebody where we bonded over when we originally mm-hmm. found his stuff but like i think our stuff is more in vein of like a filmmaker like Les blank or mm-hmm. like da penny baker or the mazels brothers like um, yeah, really like going out and, and doing something that doesn't feel so filmmakery. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's, it's kind of hard to speak to. It's, it's really just a feeling like none of us know anything about structure or technique or this or that. I have a conversation when, when we get a cinematographer on board, we have a conversation about how it should look and feel and I let them do their fucking thing. I'm not frame mm-hmm. fucking them. I'm not adjusting this and that. I'm, like we're it, they're not even a factor i'm locked eyes with whoever the subject is distracting them from all that stuff so they can be themselves so mm-hmm. like that that's the priority and then when we get back to the edit it's the same thing our editor kathy gatto who's fucking incredible the best documentary editor in the world she th- there is no formula there is there we've never allowed a formula to to start to take place that we can rely on so every time we get in the edit room, it's like, what would be the most interesting thing to do with this? We don't even know if they're feature-length films or four-minute films or something for the trash pile or, you know, like Florida Man was like 50 minutes. Like, like just an, an annoying length that no, it couldn't even be made into a product. It couldn't be a product. Yeah. And we purposely did that. Like, this can't be a product. This is not a feature. It's not a short. This, this exists for the internet. This exists for, like, people like us, stoners, right? <laughs> well, now that everyone's inside, they should 
watch these movies that are all available for free yeah. on our website. Oh, yeah, for sure. I got to put some of those in my queues, Shameless too. Shameless plug. <laughs> and more to come. We have, uh, we're very inspired now. It's going to be hard to go and make it. <laughs> the films we want to make right now we'll see but we're we're inspired we have one called wild magic about the underground healers that are uh that kind of are the fucking the thread holding the fabric of this country together the underground healers the people who you wouldn't even notice um but their magic is real and it's palpable and we want to tap into that and amplify their signal a little bit I like it. Wild magic. We really baby. appreciate you, Jesse, and being you've always been our number one supporter and it's always for real. Huh? Meant everything. For real. Yeah. The fact that you would work with us too, like that was like beyond flattering. Because I, oh, I think of you as a filmmaker. Like I always like stop. we we know each other as filmmakers. Like, you know. You know me as somebody that tr- that that that, that uh, ran you down in the Sunak <laughs> on whatever street Dude, that you're Is that where we fucking met? <laughs> We met at wow. the, we shared a screening at Union Docks. Yeah. And then you didn't remember me and I saw you as Sunak and then I was already your biggest fan. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, Sean Dunn And uh, you do were not happy oh, no. about me stopping you in Sunak, which I thought I, I kind of took a little joy in honestly i was i was in a bad marriage i don't even know where i could have been at mentally but i was in a bad marriage he was hung over i was hung over and, and then um and then yeah you guys took me in when i was like really in a not a good place and put up with and nurtured me in a lot of ways back to health and gave me a chance when not a lot of other people did so oh dude you know i will i will be grateful uh, for that for the rest of my life oh not only that we'll always send people your way even if you don't want clients we always bring you up as you know, like, hey. <laughs> I want clients yeah. Yeah, we could too. use a client right about now mm. yeah, I gotta get the here. fuck out of Seattle come <laughs> but, back but man. yeah <laughs> New York no too loud <laughs> yeah too loud yeah, it's a bit much isn't it maybe someday it's a if I could here. get what's that so it's a little hot here mm little hot little cold I, I i watched this hour-long video that a friend sent me about how they think that the reason that people are having these problems is because of 5g the coronavirus that 5g oh, yeah. the 60 gigahertz that. is is uh you know fucking with the uh electrons on the outside of oxygen models mo- molecules so we're not getting oxygen the way we used to and that like yeah the, the first place that they were rolling out this technology was in, in wuhan yeah. yeah, get the fuck out of here. I, see, I don't <laughs> I know what to block. believe. Like, all this is just like, and, and I know... No, don't believe that. Don't believe that. I, yeah, yeah no, I watched believe, it. I'm, I, I'm like, I was like, I don't believe this. I'm not saying that 5G is good for you, but I don't believe that, that that's the source. Mm. Yeah. Does anyone have any questions? Do you, do you think this is, would be a time to take a question? Or Yeah, um, let's see. We can put a... Uh, I can pull a card. Pull out. I have the tarot deck. Here's a card. Ready? Mm-hmm. Who's doing tarot? Me. There you have it upside. Well, this it. is a card for uh, for us for this for this time. Whatever. It's what do you it's see? It's like uh, a Slayer record. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Ten of Pentacles. <laughs> it's a good card. Well, I feel like I see a magic man outside, like a wall in the castle, and then there's like this couple that's looking in different directions, and the pentacles are material, and mm, there's some puppies. And there's some puppies. It's a lot to see here. Mm. Mm. 
Jesse, you're you are a a, a light on Twitter, and I just wanna I do want to reiterate that because I think where my problem came from with with this, and I know we're sharing this on Twitter, is that I feel like I got so optimistic that things were gonna go in a different direction because I was reading other people's tweets that completely agree with me, and I got this like false sense of optimism and security that like there's a real fight happening and then when i'm awoken to people voting for joe biden in mass i have like it's a it's like a really rough reality yeah but we'll look at brexit i mean there was like so many like progress i mean that that wasn't even close (laughs) and on by twitter it looked like oh yeah this is gonna be everyone was like oh this is gonna be fine like no one no one's for brexit on twitter but i mean it was Twitter is not, you know. Yeah, I, I can't We learned the hard it. way. Yeah. We learned the hard way on Super Tuesday. Like, I honestly thought Bernie was going to be, like, basically giving his victory speech that night. Like, he's got this fucking thing. And I think he did, got too. Out, people got up and made an effort to leave their house to vote for Joe Biden in a primary. <laughs> in a primary. It's not even like there's a gun against your head. Like, you have all these choices. This is the time to, to do the more radical thing. And they got up and left their house to vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? It, I mean, is it just me or is he, like, not qualified? I mean, I, from my perspective, um, is that, it makes me nervous. The voting, rec, you know, the, the advocacy for cutting social programs makes me nervous. At the same time, uh, I think he did okay in that last debate. Yeah. I think it could be okay. I'm not saying I like it, but mm. I'm also not a doomer about it. And I, I and then again, you know, I think it is. I do think he will protect social programs. And at the end of the day, I do think we will be able to push him uh, towards more progressive. I think it's already happened. Yeah. Look, look at the look at the language he was using. We need to make everybody whole after this crisis. That wouldn't have happened four years ago, six years ago. Get out of here. If he even I mean, knows what? what he's saying, I don't even think he knows what he's saying. And like, this is the this is the problem. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. They're nice words. They're nice words. Yeah, I mean, what, this the sad thing is is watching Mitt Romney come to the left of all the fucking Democratic leadership. Like that's really fucking not a good look. I think it's just shifting so fast, and all of a sudden we're in this whole other place. I mean, the kids are literally calling this virus the boomer remover, so. <laughs> That's what the kids are saying? That's what the kids are saying. The boomer remover? I wouldn't say that. <laughs> That's a little crass. I'm too know. old to say that. But yeah, our parents are boomers. We love them. We love them. I would never say that, but. But I think their generation um, played a high-stakes zero-sum game with our future, and fuck, man, it's all coming to a head, like, this week. Uh, I think it might get worse before it gets better. And I I don't want to just lay all the blame on them, but I think they were the ones that really just allowed ourselves to get sold out as a country. Yeah, but it's not every boomer. That's the no, thing. No, I mean, I no. I was I I was like before there were millennials, there was generation X. Mm. And I mean, you know, and, and and people, you know, associated it with like people not caring and being uh you know what was that what was that you know the like kennedy mm-hmm. you know just like people like and daria and like that yeah. whole like slacker uh, slacker i don't care what happens i don't vote i'm not into politics and then my you know my punk rock 
community, my world, was all about making the world a better place. And we fucking hated that. People sung songs about rejecting that label. Mm. And, you know, so I don't... I don't hate all... I mean, I don't feel like I fit that. I don't fit millennials. I don't fit any generational anything. There's good people in all... Yeah. In every single one of these uh, generations. But the majority of people in any generation are... Not great. No. <laughs> They're useful idiots, as Noam Chomsky calls them, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and you you and I are the same age, and I think it's a, it's a weird I'm age because we don't really, like, we're barely millennials, and yeah. we're not ever whatever was right before that, so I don't really fully identify with any of it. I remember we're George customers. Carlin saying that about, like, the when he came up, like, he was too old to, you know, be a hippie, but like, you know, he wasn't down with the generation before. So he was kind of in this in-between place and he was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to fucking be more like the young people. And he took acid and that changed his whole fucking <laughs> approach, you know. But he, but he was like such not a hippie too. Like, yeah, he yeah. was, is he, was he the same age as Johnny Cash? Like they seem like the same yeah. flavor, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, cuspers are a different thing. Even in media, it's a real thing because we were trained on analog and then we started our careers in digital. Yeah. You know, and that's a, like, that's a big difference. I talk to people who are training, you know, very young people, like people in their young twenties now mm. and they can't put together like a news story cause it just doesn't even, they haven't seen, they didn't even grow up with that. Wow. You know, they didn't grow up with news. They don't think that way, you know, even in your films, even if they're not you know, super, you know, the narrative isn't that structured. It's in the background. It's in your subconscious. Yeah, you can't you know? help it. Yeah. <laughs> Where now, like, if you didn't even grow up with all of that rigid format, mm-hmm. it just might be all over the place. Oh, yeah, know? absolutely. We definitely don't have the attention span, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for us, like, honestly, a huge goal of our life is to live a plotless existence, like, not really super motivated by any one thing. And I want our films to feel like that, just like a, like, a fucking hang. And I think what what uh, the blessing of me not getting into any film schools was when I graduated college in 2003 would have been like the last year that they were really teaching this old antiquated equipment. And I would have been mm-hmm. so hung up on technology and fucking whatever those huge flatbeds to edit on and film and like not only that, but going into debt to make student films on film would have been the mm-hmm. dumbest fucking thing and not empowered me to go do what I did because the kids that got accepted to the fancy schmancy film program at Purchase College where I got denied, none of them are filmmakers. The people that graduated the same year as me in that program, they're not filmmakers because they came out with a sense of entitlement. They thought the world owed them something because they did all this fucking stuff and I came out the opposite. I was working in a fucking deli praying to the Lord someone would notice me. Yeah, that that's one way it can go, Sean. But the other way it could go is people learn that they have to steal film stuff. Ooh. <laughs> and then, you know, I was around people that literally would figure out. You know, they would rent. Uh, you know, buy on a, ca- a card mm. uh, a camera from B and H, and then just go return it. Oh, you know, yeah. after the shoot, and then buy it again. Yeah, <laughs> and then go return it, and then figure out. And I, I had friends that like would just hang around the NYU campus and just lift. 35 millimeter reels oh awesome you know (laughs) you you don't know how it's gonna go there sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do for your art (laughs) you gotta do what you gotta do if you're serious about doing this shit you gotta beg borrow and steal apparently 
<laughs> I got so yeah. I, w- I went to a communication school, but I still found I still found the weirdo rebels. Matt Matteo Pizzolo, Matt Matt Pizzolo was a huge influence on me. He made this movie called Threat, all on stolen stuff, mm. and now he has a comic book. Uh, he, you would love his stuff. I don't, I don't know if you see Black Mask Black Mask Studios. He had a uh, a comic book called Cal Exit that made the rounds. It's all radical narratives, and he's doing a lot of very interesting uh, representational work and has uh, a lot of minority creators. Mm. But the stories are all very uplifting, badass, uh, rebellious, empowering narratives. You know, you went so to school with this uh, guy? No, I just found him. Oh. yeah. I can't remember really how cool. I found him. He did this thing called DIY Fest. He didn't get into Sundance. So he took his movie and he played it outside Sundance. And no one, like, that was a wild thing. Like, that gorilla thing in 1999, people weren't really doing stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. And that was something, that's how I found it. And then I talked to him. He's like, yeah, we stole, like, I, this movie cost me no money. Cause. Mm. I, I, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a really good lesson of, um, really for any art, like, including even what we're doing right now that um that idea that you need permission or or you know like a lot of people get hung up on that like waiting for the world to give them permission waiting for the budget or the approval or the grant or this or that like just just killing their time killing their art waiting around for permission so i think that's one of the things you have to if you're going to devote your life to an art form or being an artist you have to really change your relationship with permission and and self-love and just learn how to love yourself and give your permission to express yourself in whatever way necessary and even people that play by the rules, they still don't play by the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Beautiful. Oh, man. This has been really fun. Yeah. We're going to put this we out as do a this podcast. Awesome. You know. Thank you. We, we could do this like all the time. I mean, what are we oh, doing? Totally. We're hanging out. <laughs> uh, totally. Totally. We love talking to you. And uh, yeah, we'll do it anytime. Like, we'll be hitting you up from time to time. Because we're trying to, like, basically during this... Uh, however long people are going to be in the corona what what do you call this self-isolation yeah however long i think people are going to be watching podcasts more and listening to podcasts more social distancing yeah so maybe we'll just put out like a transmission every day or two no i don't know we'll be in touch yeah virtual yeah i'll help you help you set it up if you need uh Mm. any help setting it up absolutely well we we wish you like good health and um you're such a saint for taking care of your parents the way you do it's it's really sweet i know it could be frustrating but it's really sweet it, you know it warms my cockles <laughs> no one no no one no one acknowledges it so it's nice like I, I i can't even like comprehend of it being in that way like all i can think of is like oh god please try to steer them in the right direction so i appreciate that, <laughs> that it's actually a, a nice thing <laughs> <laughs> cool brother well uh send us this file and we'll get this out tomorrow sounds good uh i guess let's see let me just check see if there's any uh questions oh, real yeah. quick doesn't yeah doesn't look like uh we got hit with the questions um, it's all good this was our uh our first attempt at this so you never know we go to yeah and it wasn't really set up like an ama and my, AM, my amas have gone different directions sometimes no one will ask a question and then sometimes people just get excited but it's like i have to sit there going ask me a question what do you got Mm. okay uh jim from toledo is okay and then i read it and then people get excited by that and Um, then they do it and then they do it 
but it takes like some coaxing and then but once it catches on then people start asking mm. but it doesn't surprise me that we were having a conversation and people just wanted to watch instead of interject so yeah yeah the, the ama you do is that on reddit or on here no just on here oh. i just say ama because people i hope know what that is maybe they don't it's yeah. <laughs> a good it's a good point um but yeah cool yeah we just minion for my cat says hey from washington that's all we got and someone with the periscope name of don't send it sent us a black heart oh, i love man. it so th thank you next time we will get maybe we'll coax for more questions yeah and if like we if we stop like any te every 10 minutes and be like hey ask us questions Thought then starters. people will ask questions yeah yeah, yeah. Thanks we'll for uh yeah we'll do some more corona time over over this isolation well we'll all hang out yeah yeah i I can't wait. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for everything you do. Thanks for being one of my biggest supports. And uh, I hope uh, you and your family maintain lots of health, love, and connection. Word up. Thanks, Same. Jesse. Same to you.